Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Ernie Good Day podcast, where we have a fundamental belief that people are stronger, more resilient, and far more capable of things than they believe in or have ever been told are possible. I'm your host, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, Zach Kanati. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. This is 66 weeks in a row, 66 Mondays. We have not missed. I've dropped an episode every single Monday for the last 66 Mondays, and you guys have been listening. You guys have been along for the journey, and I just have to say thank you very freaking much. Now, along with that, guys, you know I do have two asks to you guys every single week. And really, they're more so for you than they are for me. And here's the reason why. They're for you guys because they're to make you guys better. All right? They're not to make me better. They're so that we can spread the information that you guys can actually get some more benefit out of the information. Ask number one is if you find anything useful, thought-provoking, funny, interesting, curious, it gives you a different perspective, or honestly, it's just some good information that you use the information as soon as possible Honestly, that means today, all right? So the day you listen to it, the day is the day you use it, all right? Number two is that if you know somebody who would also likely find this episode, any one of the things we just listed off, interesting, thought-provoking, funny, gives you a different perspective or is just dang right useful, I ask that you share it with them, okay? The reason I ask you guys to share it is so that you can help that person get better and so we can grow this community of people who are earning their good day. Guys, the more people we have listening to the show, the more people earning a good day, the bigger and the f- wider reach this show gets, which means the more people we can all help and impact as a group, guys. And we have got a lot of problems to be solved. In fact, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. All right. All of us are too damn comfortable. All right. And that is actually the reason why nobody is truly comfortable. And I don't want to get ranty because I recorded this earlier. It was really ranty. And honestly, I got really pissed off afterwards because this this topic infuriates me. All right, guys, we are, we are pushed by society to have everything for freaking convenience. We are encouraged and we are incentivized to not work for anything. And yet we have the shittiest standard of life out of probably any developed country in the world. Now... I still believe that America is the greatest country in the world, and that is not because of how we're acting right now. In fact, it is because of the potential and what American values truly stand for. Now, we are a pretty fucking piss-poor excuse for Americans at this moment. Um, We are fat, obese, sick, hateful, spiteful, lazy, uncooperative, unmotivated, and frankly, we are near the bottom in almost every single metric other than fatness in the entire world. In terms of fatness, we still aren't winning. We're, we're number two. Mexico's fatter than us. Um, but in everything else we've lost, and honestly, that, that's it. that is a metric and a race I want to lose. I don't want to be the fattest country in the world. In fact, I want to be nowhere near the podium. I would rather be the, the leanest country in the world. Um, 
because that, that's just frankly generally a better end of the spectrum to be on. Now, I don't want to get ranty again, and I'm going to really try not to, guys, but we, this episode is about the whole reason nobody here is comfortable is because nobody here gets uncomfortable. And our lack of discomfort is the whole reason why we are not comfortable. Discomfort is actually the the thing that breeds comfortability. It's what breeds true pleasure. It's what breeds true joy. I think we all know this deep down because when likely when we were in school and we actually, you know, still tried hard in life for most people, when that one project or that one thing that you worked really, really hard on and then, you know, you got the B plus, you got the A, you got the A plus, you felt so freaking good after that versus the other bullshit class that you were asleep half the time and you still got the B plus, you still got the A plus, And honestly, you really couldn't give a shit about it. You're like, I didn't have to put any effort into it. I can tell you guys, I had a class in college. I had two classes in college. One was the only class I ever retook. I've never retaken a class in my entire life until I took college physics. And honestly, it was basic physics, which I'm it's kind of sad because it's it's a basic class. But that and organic chemistry one were the two hardest classes I have ever taken in my entire life. They're also the only two C's I've ever gotten in my entire life as a final letter grade. And I tell you what, guys, a C, I had to fucking fight for that C. Okay, I had to fight and there was honestly for organic chemistry, there were literal tears because it was so freaking annoying some days and I wanted to throw my computer. Actually, there was one day I did throw my computer. I can't even lie to you guys. Doing that homework and trying to study and learn all of those like chemical mechanisms and stuff pissed me off so much. And if you move just one electron wrong or you, you know did a step too early and you did you know step number 12 out of 35 wrong you you know you missed the whole thing because your end formula was wrong you got points docked off and all you missed was like one freaking electron bouncing over or whatever you know or physics which i couldn't understand the dude anyways and honestly how they explained it was way way too abstract for me like i I need the guy to smoke a joint for it to make a little bit more sense, be a little bit more like realistic and not just like arrows and stuff. I was like, arrows don't, for me, arrows don't translate to real life, dude. Like I'd rather you like smoke a joint and be like, ah, so you feel like how you're just weighing into the earth, man. Like, and your seat's kind of pressing up to you like that. That's the normal force, man. Like I would really rather would have had that. Anyways, the point being, I had to work my ass off for those two classes, and I barely got a C plus, barely. And I mean, like, I stayed up all night, multiple times, studying for those final exams, and still barely squeaked by. Yet I can tell you, I probably remember more from those classes than any other than most of my other classes I took in undergrad. For the sole reason. That I had to work for them. And also I'm prouder of those C pluses than most of the A's I got. Because I had to work my ass off for them. I'm an Eagle Scout and I'm incredibly proud to call myself an Eagle Scout. Not because of the necessarily the award itself or all the, you know, supposedly it's only like 2% of people get it in Scouts. It's not at all for that. It is because it literally took me 12 years of work 
And for the actual project, it took me six months of planning and then over 200 man hours of actual work to get it completed. And I had 53 volunteers come and help me out over three days. I am more proud of that because of the work and the effort it took than almost everything else in scouts that I did. And if I look back at my life, and I guarantee you, if you look back on your life, the things that you were the most proud about, the things that you derive the most joy from, the things that bring you the fondest memories are the things that you had to put blood, sweat, guts, and tears into. Even if it didn't turn out exactly how you wished, exactly how you wanted to, you know, maybe you wanted the A and you only, or the A plus and you only got the A right? You are still likely more proud of the things that you put effort into, like real hard effort into than the things you were just given for, right? Then then the class you got the A in or the cool hoodie you got just because you like, you know, like you walked by and somebody was handing out cool hoodies or whatever. And there was a reason for that. There's actually a neurological reason for that. If I'll bring you guys back a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the book, uh, The Molecule of More, is actually the last Kanadi's Cliff Notes, I do believe, or one of the last. We're kind of due for one here soon, but I need another good book to read that's actually worthwhile. The uh, Back on track. But The Molecule of More, the reason why dopamine is so important is because for a lot of things, most people call it the molecule of pleasure, right? Oh, bless me. Hopefully that's done with. Right? Most people call dopamine the molecule of pleasure, right? The feel-good molecule, the great. And it's part of that. But more so, it's it's the molecule of pursuit, desire, and motivation. And in today's world, we are on a completely slow drip of dopamine. Almost everything in our world elicits just a very small but a very consistent dose of dopamine and that's especially true on social media that's especially true on how we communicate with each other especially true with how we get food right and the reason why it's an incredibly small drip of dopamine and not any more big rushes very much is because there's no effort required to get it there's no effort or very 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 little amount of effort required to get a dopamine release And that is a critical thing, right? Because, and the reason this is critical is because the bigger the dopamine release, our body looks at it like a drug. So if we get a hit of dopamine, right, our body then, so it spikes up, it crashes, and our body's like, yo, that felt freaking fantabulous, okay? I want another hit. I want some more of that. Our body's an addict to dopamine. It feels really good. So... What we do is we try and do that activity again. We try and get another hit of dopamine, right? And so then we do it again. And if we do the exact same activity inadvertently, just like a drug addict, we get a slightly lower hit of dopamine. Well, so now it's not satisfying. So, oh, I want another hit. Oh, I want another hit. Oh, I want another hit. I want another hit. I want another hit. Another, another, another. And then pretty soon we keep doing the same thing and we have to put so much effort in to get any menial hit of dopamine, Right? Especially if we're doing it rapid fire, like rapid succession, boom, 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 as is with social media, right? 
if any of you guys know anybody who vapes nicotine, ask them the difference between the first hit of the day and the last hit of the day. All right, I can guarantee you people who, uh, actually I can tell you because people have told me the first couple of hits that people hit off of a vape in the morning, it's the only time, especially if they're addicted, that they actually get a nick buzz anymore. And the rest of it, it just gets lower and lower. And then for the most of the day, it's actually just a habit. And by the end of the day, they don't get anything out of it. They're just so used to hitting it that they keep hitting it. But in the morning, right, those they wake up and those first couple of hits of nicotine, boom, they get a good hit. Boom. Oh, they get another one. And then it's a little less. It's a little less. It's a little less. And then there's just nothing. That is because nicotine actually spikes our dopamine levels about, I think it's 150%, okay? And so it's really a big spike. But if you're addicted to it, just like any addict, our body actually doesn't want giant spikes of dopamine. It wants us to regulate everything because a big spike of dopamine means unpredictability, right? It means we got a surprise, so the more times we do something, the less exciting it's going to be because, well, oh, we've done this before. We know the likely outcome, so we don't need a big hit of dopamine. But, right, if we something novel happens, right, boom, we get a big hit of dopamine. Boom, we get a big hit of dopamine. Oh, we feel good. Okay. So then we're going on and, you know, we go through the day. So if we want these big hits of dopamine, we have to put in work for them. And the more work we put into that dopamine, right, before we get it, and the more we delay it, and the more work we put in, and we delay it a little longer, we put in a little bit more work, delay it a little longer, put a little more work, the more we can exaggerate that process, the bigger the release of dopamine we're actually going to get. And this is really, really critical to understand this because what's the compensatory mechanism for dopamine is is if you guys remember that episode the molecule of more is the here and now molecules and the here and now molecules are serotonin oxytocin and uh, like the endocannabinoids and the end endorphins right these are all like the really good feel-good hormone hormones the bonding chemicals right serotonin specifically that is these and it's these ones that bring us into the present moment and actually give us joy. And the dopamine and the here and now molecules kind of work in a seesaw fashion. So if we have really, really high dopamine, we're going to have low, pretty low here and now molecules. Versus if we have low dopamine, we're, we have the option to have higher here and now molecules if we're in a proper balance. And... It's very difficult to raise both of them up at the same time because one, dopamine is generally future focused versus the here and now molecules are present focused. Okay. And we can, so basically, we have to be future oriented. We have to work for something to get in the future. And then once we get that reward, we can then enjoy it here in the present moment. So, real comfort like on a neurological and a chemical and honestly a genetic level for us to truly be comfortable we have to work for it we have to work for it you don't just get it and that's why we mindlessly scroll social media for hours and hours and hours 
and every great one song, oh, cool, that was a video, funny video, ha, 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 ha. All right, but if you just are on it all the time, you guys ever seen the memes of somebody going like, OMG, LMIO, ha, ha, like crying emoji, and their face is totally stoic, and they look, they, you know, they got the biggest case of RBF in the world. Well, that's because they're not actually that entertained. They're just putting on a front, right? Because there there's no work to get it. And this is also why, like, porn addiction is such a big, big worry amongst people and, like, scholars nowadays is because it's so readily available. Yet porn and sex have such a big release on dopamine, right? Now, I'm not shaming you if you do it. I'm sure almost everybody has. But it's so easy for it to become an addiction or, like, a compulsion because there's very low entry cost and there's a very big spike of dopamine, but the lower the entry cost with a big spike of dopamine is going to make it super easy to get addicted. And then in order to get that same spike of dopamine, we have to have a bigger impact, right? A bigger stimulus. So in the case of porn, you have to have more extreme porn, right? You go from like something that's like normal to like bukkake, like something crazy, okay? <laughs> or like like tentacle porn or something. I don't know, like something insane, Okay, and the whole reason you have to do that to get the same release is because you have to have a higher stimulus to get that hit of dopamine. In fact, I actually just heard of something. I was watching uh, YouTube the other day. It was a, a YouTube short, and it was a guy, Bedros Koulian, brought it up. There's now something called uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, which is because of the increase in the prevalence and the ease of access to pornography, they're now seeing men, young men, as young as in like their 20s and 30s, who can't get it up to a real woman, right? Like we, we can't get it up to, people can't get it up to a real woman, only porn because porn is so extreme. Now, let's, let's kind of bring it back on track so we can understand this. What does this matter if discomfort is the only thing that's really going to bring us comfort? The whole reason why porn and right and porn-induced erectile dysfunction is a thing is because it's so readily available and there's no effort required, right? The reason why there's now a thing where real women, a real naked woman, isn't enough of a stimulus to t get a man erect is because he can see that like that on the internet. In fact, I heard another statistic that porn and porn a lot of, Pornographic searches uh, account for 40% of all internet searches. 40%, four zero. That's almost half of every single search put into the internet is related to pornography. And so we're getting these, people are getting these massive dopamine releases with no work. It's essentially no work if all you have to do is type on your phone, Right? And we're so alone, we're so separated that all you have to do, there's no shame related to it. So there's even less barrier to entry versus as a dude, right? If you have to go out, you have to go talk to a girl, you have to get the balls to go talk to her, right? And then you have to be not creepy, but also cool, not over, you know, too interested, but also not uninterested. You know, like you have to be just right. Like she has to find you attractive. You also have to you know, go through the courtship process 
it's a lot of work for a man to get laid, which means there's a lot of work before that huge dopamine release of an orgasm. And then we wonder why we look in today's society and most men are sexless, right? There's more men sexless today than ever before in history. We have more anxiety and more depression today than we ever have in history. And the whole reason is, is because nobody's fucking working for anything. No one's fucking doing anything to get anything that quote unquote is comfortable. It feels good. It makes me happy. Bull fucking shit. The only time you people ever experience real, true, like liberating happiness to the point where they're radiating is when they work for something. It's when you work for something. If you ask yourself and you really ask yourself the only like what are you actually proud of in your life? What are you actually like? You can look back and you are proud of something in your life. Like you say it with honor and you want to tell people about it because it's so fucking cool and you find so much joy out of it. What are those things? How much? And then ask yourself, how much work did you put into getting that? If it's a Letterman's jacket when you're in high school, if it's a weightlifting record, if it's a bodybuilding show, if it's a relationship, if it's a job, if it's a promotion, if it's a house, if it's a car, if it's a suit, if it's a watch, how much work, effort, blood, sweat, and tears did you have to put in to get that? My guess is the more proud you are of something, the more work it takes and the more work it took for you to get into it. Guys, I'm incredibly proud of this podcast because every single week for 66 weeks, I have never missed, never missed in 66 weeks. And it is because I have never missed in 66 weeks that I am incredibly proud of this. It's not for the number of views that it gets because honestly, it's not that many. It's not for the specific content I put out because a lot of it's pretty similar to a fair amount of other like personal development stuff. And honestly, some of it I wish was better. Some of it I'm not proud of the episodes, but I can tell you as a whole, this podcast I'm incredibly proud of myself for because I put in effort every single freaking week and I have not skipped. I have not missed And it is the fact that I have not skipped and I have not missed that I am proud of it. That is what I am proud of. It is the work and the consistency I've put into it, more so even than the results. And I've been incredibly blessed with people telling me that this motivates them, that it gets them, you know, they do something hard when they didn't want to do it. And all the other stories, like it gets them through the day, it gives them a positive me, like a positive outlook on life. It gets them to do something that they didn't want to do, right? Like it gives them a better outlook on life. I'm incredibly proud of that. But even more so, I'm incredibly proud of how much work I've put into this to get those results. The only things I've ever regretted in my life, and if again, when you ask old people, they have the same answer to this, are the things and the work that they did not do. Let me repeat that. The only things... We will ever regret in this life is not the mistakes we make. It's not our failures. It's not our shortcomings. It's not our insecurities. 
It's not anything that most people think we will regret, right? It's not the failed business. It's not the failed class. It is the work and the effort we do not put in and the things we do not do. Because if you try and you fail, you can still be proud of yourself, but you have no hope of being proud of yourself if you never try and you never do. And that is where we are in today in society, folks. Every single thing around us is for convenience, is for ease, is for speed, is for lack of difficulty. And frankly, we fucking need that hardship. We need that hardship. There's a study of who are the happiest people in the world, right? They did surveys of people from all over the world. They did developed, undeveloped, third world, and indigenous people. You know who came back with the the highest level of happiness? was the Alaskan Inuits. It's a tribe of Alaskan Inuits up in the fucking tundra. And why are they the happiest? Well, they also happen to have the hardest life on average on Earth. They they live in the harshest conditions on the planet, yet they have the highest levels of happiness. Why is that? It's because they fucking work for their happiness. They work for it. For them to eat is work. It is effort. For them to just live, it is effort. They don't give a shit if their fucking iPhone 6 breaks or the iPhone 13 cracks or, oh, they're crushed and text them back or, oh, my story only got, you know, 100 views instead of 1,000. They don't care about that because, frankly, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It doesn't matter to them. And frankly, it shouldn't matter to you because it's not important. So how do we actually get comfort in this life? How do we have a truly comfortable life? How do we have a life that we can actually be happy in? It's very simple. I've been talking about this entire episode. You must first make yourself purposefully uncomfortable. You must forcefully and voluntarily put discomfort into your life. That can look like a million things. That could look like trying to get healthier. That could look like not eating fast food. The hell, that could look like cooking meals at home. That could look like saving money and not going out every single weekend and blowing two, $300. That could look like not going on a shopping spree all the time or having less money in your Amazon shopping cart. That could look like working out every day. That could look like drinking enough water. That could look like only having a small piece of cake instead of a massive one. That could look like maybe not having any dessert tonight because you've had it every other night this week. That could look like taking a cold shower. That could look like going to bed on time and waking up to your alarm. It could even look like be as simple as making your bed. The point is, whatever you do... At least once a day, you need to do something that's difficult. You need to do something that requires effort to complete. That can be at work, right? That can be in your personal life. But you need to do something that requires effort before you get a reward. Because without that effort, you will not get the neurochemical high that you're looking for. 
You will not get the comfort. You will not get the peace. You will continue to be anxious. You will continue to be ashamed of yourself. You'll continue to be depressed. You'll continue to be sad. You'll continue to think you're not enough. You'll continue to have low self-esteem. You'll continue to have low confidence. You'll continue to not do the things that you dream about doing all because you're too fucking afraid of putting in a little goddamn work. Put in the work, reap the rewards, and actually enjoy your fucking life. Guys, there are too many people in this country and in this world who are anxious, depressed, suicidal, unconfident, lonely, have no self-esteem, and honestly, don't think life is worth living and don't think we are worth saving. There's too many of us. And none of that is going to change unless you and I set the example. Every single day, I go to work out. Nine out of ten of those, I don't desire to go to the gym that day. I don't desire to go on my run. I don't desire to swim. I don't desire to bike. But I do it anyways for the sole purpose of that. I know there are people looking up to me and there are people depending on me to get it done. Because if I falter, they have no hope of standing up. Because I know they look up to me as a source of inspiration, as a source of motivation. They look up to me as somebody to try and emulate. I don't necessarily think I'm all that great. But there's somebody out there who's trying to look up to and emulate me. My little cousin asks me for advice sometimes. And I'm so honored every time he does. And I feel like the biggest piece of shit... Why I can't give him or I'm not living up to the questions he asked me. Right? I know my family looks up to me and they're always proud of me. And I'm the one, I'm the only family like kid my parents have. I'm the only nephew on my old dad's side of the family. I'm the last in my bloodline for my family name. I'm the last one. So they're all looking to me and they all depend on me. And my aunt tells me I'm her reason to keep going because she doesn't have any kids. There are people looking up to you. There are people depending on you to get it done. And we're too fucking comfortable with this discomfort that we live in, right? We're too okay with mediocrity. We're too okay with being overweight. We're too okay with still being anxious. We're too okay with still being depressed. We're too okay living with mental illness issues. We're too okay being broke. We're too okay not chasing our dreams. We're too okay just being fucking okay. It is not okay for you to do that. That is not okay. That is not an acceptable way to live. You don't have to be elite at anything, but you do have to continue to get better. Not for yourself, but for everybody who's looking to you because your life is bigger than just you. And no, it's not going to feel great every day. And no, you're not going to want to do it every day. And no, it's not always going to be great. And no, you're not always going to have the best time. And no, you're not always going to perform. That is not the point. The point is that after you do the work, you can look back and you say, you know what? I didn't want to do that. Maybe I didn't perform the best, but God damn it, I gave it my best effort. And I can look back and I can be proud of that effort. 
and I can thus be proud of myself, and I can thus actually enjoy this rest that I am now going to give myself because I did the work to earn it. I'm not going to rest in this peace because I did the work to earn it. I can now actually enjoy going out with my friends, spending time with my friends or my family. I can enjoy going out to eat because I've done the work to earn the reward. Nothing is free and you don't deserve anything. You do have to work for everything though. Stop being comfortable with this lack of comfort. Because guys, until you put discomfort and uncomfortability in your life, you will never truly be comfortable. I can tell you from firsthand experience, the only reason I do not struggle with anxiety anymore is because I work my ass off every single day. There's not a day that goes by, even on days where I sit and I watch Netflix for two hours. There's not a day that goes by that I don't finish all of my tasks. I have 10 tasks to do every single day and usually an additional two or three. There's not a day that goes by that I don't finish minimum all 10 of those. And it is because of that, it is because of the effort and the consistency that I no longer struggle with anxiety and it is that effort and consistency that allows me to be brave enough to face my insecurities and to face my own issues until you're willing to be uncomfortable and the more uncomfortable you're willing to be the greater the level of happiness you're able to feel the greater level of joy you'll be able to feel so that if you're depressed right now or you're anxious or you're unhappy Go get uncomfortable. And the more you do that, and the more uncomfortable you get, you actually open yourself up to comfort, to joy, to peace, to happiness, to a calm state of mind until you first deliberately get uncomfortable. So with that, guys, that is the episode. If you found something useful, knowledgeable, thought-provoking, give you a different perspective out of it, I ask that you use this today, get uncomfortable, do something difficult, stay a little bit longer, do a couple extra reps or sets, send a couple extra emails, make another phone call, have the hard conversation, put work into your relationships, do fucking something that's hard. And secondly, guys, if you know somebody who needs to start doing something hard or they're struggling in life, share this episode with them. Share this episode with them. Give them the gift that and maybe the swift kick in the ass that they need to get out and to start moving and actually making and frankly earning a better life. And with that, guys, go out, kick ass, take some names, but most importantly, earn your good day. 